0: A big one here. If you give a proposal to a client and they try to use another contractor's bid against you, like saying, well, so-and-so was X amount. We really, really want to have you do the work. If you can meet this number, the job is yours. That one right there too is like, please, 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 if you are faced with that, that is just a trap.
1: If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you wanna use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of The Sprinkler Nerd Show. I'm your host, Andy Humphrey, and this is episode 46. I'm excited to have our special guest today, Steve Dale, who is the author of The Profitable Contractor, How to Attract Better Clients, Make More Money, and Create the Contracting Business You Really Want. Now, before we get started, I want to preface because... Steve is an actual contractor. He's not just a guy who wrote a book and wants to sell books. Steve is an actual contractor. He's also an entrepreneur, and now he's an author who has run and owned and operated a residential remodeling business for 13 years. He graduated from Lewis Clark State College with a business degree and is also a certified pumpkin plan strategy coach. Steve combines a strong business foundation with an insider's understanding of what it takes to run a successful contracting company. He transformed his own business using these skills that we're going to talk about today, which fueled his passion for helping other contractors just like you learn how to run a thriving business while most importantly, still having a life outside of work. So with that, Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Andy. I appreciate being on the show and this is going to be uh, looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And You know, I have read your whole book cover to cover twice now. (laughs) So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Hopefully, I don't know it better than you, but I don't think that's the case. Yeah.
0: We'll see, right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to talk about it.
1: I want to get started by just kind of setting the foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about how you even got into the contracting business?
0: It was out of need. I went and got my bachelor's degree. I went out and then got my accounting, went and got an accounting degree on top of my business degree because everyone had a business degree. Then getting out and things didn't quite work out in the uh, sitting in a cubicle. Uh, that wasn't really what what I felt like was going to be uh, um, successful for myself. We bought a house, my wife and I bought a house and I started doing small projects around the house. And then I was like, well, heck, I kind of enjoy this. I, I enjoyed doing the work and I started doing work, jobs for friends and family and then it just evolved into a contracting business. I didn't have any experience in the contracting field before I I set out on this journey. And I guess that was just part of the entrepreneur in me is just finding a way to make it work. It's kind of how I got into it. I wasn't raised up in an entrepreneur family. I was raised in a family that was more, that was technical minded. Uh, My dad's a machinist, my brother's an electrician. So I don't feel like it was too far off the mold. But the entrepreneur journey is was definitely something
1: new for me. Yeah, well, I think that for our listeners, it's probably really similar story because I hear from a lot of irrigation and landscape owners that they didn't set out. They sort of fell into it. You know, they got a job one summer or they needed some money. So they got a lawnmower and mowed the neighbor's yard. And so I think a lot of people end up in contracting businesses, just, you know, similar path as yourself. Yeah. We
0: bought our house. It had a half bathroom. It didn't have a shower head. So I had, I tiled the bathroom and that's where it kind of started. I started off doing tile work in my business. I enjoy that process.
1: Mm hmm. So I'm going to ask you a question because I heard this question asked on another uh, podcast recently, and I thought it might be a great way to sort of start this episode today with the end in mind. So I don't know how long we're going to talk. Let's say it's 20, 30, 40 minutes when we're done today, what would you like our listeners to know, or what would you like to stick with them when we're done today?
0: Holy smokes. Um, If you're on this entrepreneurial journey, You're, you're doing it for a reason. You're doing it because you have high ambitions, high, a high achieving person. You have high goals, high hopes, high big, big dreams. And it's who you surround yourself with that will, will give you success. The people that, that believe in you, unless you're doing work on yourself and surrounding yourself with people that believe in you, your entrepreneurial journey could be deflated. It could be, it, it could end. So really understand the power of not only of even believing in yourself, but surrounding yourself with, with like-minded individuals.
1: Awesome. I love that. That's really powerful. Appreciate you sharing that. So let's, um, yeah, let's kind of get into, I made some notes as I was going through the book, Again, the book is called The Profitable Contractor. I bought my copy. Again, this isn't an endorsement. I happen to like the book, but I bought my copy on Amazon.com. It showed up two (laughs) days later. And I think I read for the first time that very night. One of the things when I first kind of jumped in, number one, the intro is fantastic. Uh, I won't read it here right now, but your intro is fantastic. And then you know, the you. sort of the first thing that resonated with me was a statement that you made, and, and I'll read this. Uh, you said, Your business model is screwing you, you just don't know it yet. Can you talk to us about that?
0: Yeah. Human nature is to follow suit, it is to model what others are doing. And so often, if we're not aware of our surroundings, of what we're doing, we're modeling businesses. We're modeling relationships. We're modeling a lot of things in our life, even health, that are are can be damaging to ourselves. Everyone talks about you know your your mindset. A lot of work goes into that. I think the biggest thing is being aware of where you're at and where you want to go. In saying that, so many times, what I found out is that the customers that I was allowing into my business were customers that they were not a good a good fit. They were they were good people, most of them. <laughs> Some of them I allowed and they were kind of were, were were definitely were definitely turds, but they did not understand or shouldn't say I allowed it in, but they're not a good fit for our business. Those customers, if we allow those crappy customers in there and if there's customers that are not, they don't extend grace. If something happens um, that is out of your control, if they think that you're, you're charging a certain amount and like you're trying to take them to the cleaner, that model is screwing you because you cannot become sustainable unless you run profitably.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And hence the and, name of your book, right? The Profitable contractor. Yes. Yeah, and there's so many layers into that. We take advice. I ca- I like to call it the the contractor buddy advice. You don't want to be taking advice from your contractor buddies because more often than not, you're probably going to replicate things that they're doing. And what's to say that they're doing it correctly? Are do they have do they have a mentor in their corner? Do they have a business coach? Are they working on themselves? Because I think we found out too. I know we had we had met at uh, George Bryant's event uh, uh, he- event in whitefish montana and it really is it's so powerful that the the more you work on yourself the more space you give yourself the better decisions you make when you when when you're just running amok when you have client calls twenty four seven, when you allow the phone at the kitchen table when you work on weekends when you work on holidays you just don't have the bandwidth or the space to make those good decisions and you're putting out fires all the time i mean it's just it's just it's a horrible model to follow. Mm-hmm. And it's so often, unless you want a change, because there was a point in my career that I had about a week, not a week. I had I had billing that I had to get out, but I had jobs I had to get done. And there was a comment made to me. It's like, well, why don't you take a week off and get your billing, billing finished? I mean, it sounded so simple, right? Just take a week off and get your... Get your, your AR out. And so you can actually receive payment. Mm -hmm. And I fought it and I fought it and I fought it because I had, I had a customer I needed to finish. I had client after that job to start and feel like I had the time. Well, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I was forced to take time off. And I honestly, I,
1: can't, I don't, I'm not sure what it was. It was, if it was an, an illness or, I mean, just, there's something happened. Got it. You, but you didn't make that, that decision. You, you were forced into that. And that was an eye yes. opener. Hmm. Yeah. It was almost like a two week type of break, I believe.
0: And it was the best thing that happened. It was like, I got all my billing done. I received payment and it was just so eye opening dur- in that, in that experience. But mm-hmm.
1: until you allow it to come in, you can't experience it. Right. Absolutely. So that would be like uh, maybe just putting a, con- a container around certain things in the day. So the old Steve, right before you had this experience, yeah. Tell me what would happen if, you're, if it was Friday night, it's 830, you're watching a movie with your family and your customer calls you, what did you do?
0: Oh gosh, I'd answer the stinking phone. I'd be like, oh my gosh, it must be something important. I need to answer this call. And so there, I mean, there was countless times about that. I've even fallen off the map here in the recent years, a Saturday morning answering a call from what I thought was a, you know, a air quotes, a, you know, so-called friend only to know it was some sort of a business agenda. And it's like, ah, oh, crap. I shouldn't have answered the phone call. Right. I was, I was kind of blindsided. I thought it was more of a friendly, a friendly call. It was a work call. And guess what I did all weekend. I just thought about, that call. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it's about setting up containers and healthy boundaries and it's a struggle. It's not clear cut. You don't just get one thing figured out and it just all goes away. It's continual work.
1: Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's continue that thought a little bit. So let's talk about customers. Cause I I was reading in in your book and there's a couple areas where you were talking about the different types of customers, and the one thing that stood out for me that you said was to avoid customers that use the following statement or something similar to this: "Hey, Steve, can you can you sharpen your pencil a little bit on this price?" What should you do with a statement like that?
0: Right now, you should just acknowledge what they said and probably run away far. You know, <laughs> run, I mean, really, you should be you should be, you should be educating but it depends if you are if you continually have those customers that keep saying, "Hey, can you sharpen your pencil? Can you do any better on those numbers?" What that means is that they're not valuing you for what you're the service you're providing. They're just wanting the cheapest price available. They still want a good job, a great job, but they want the lowest price. And as a business owner, I fell on like this trap too. You're just wanting to pr- provide value. But when you sharpen your pencil, you can't provide value. That's how we get in the trap of of getting overscheduled because we have to keep those jobs rolling to bring the revenue in to actually keep afloat. And we get in that cycle, and we when we sharpen too many pencils, we take away all of our profit margin in order to, order to survive and keep our lifestyle up and the revenue in our business. We just it's just that it's that cycle. It's that current cycle of serving one customer to the next, to the next, to the next working, you know, 12, 14, 16 hour days, weekends, because you have to catch up on the weekends because when you sharpen so many pencils, got to keep working. But the biggest thing about sharpening your pencil is that you as a person, there's those mind tricks, like about the value you provide. It's like, I can't charge that much. When you sharpen your pencil, the customers could be thinking I'm trying to take advantage of them but really you're just trying to run your business so you can actually show up for them.
1: Right. Show up for your family, show up for yourself. I mean, there's just so many, right. If, if they don't like the price, they should just hire the other guy. If there's another bid, right. I mean, it's that's, you get to, you get to decide the value of your business. The customer doesn't get to decide the value of your business. Hopefully they're in agreement or an alignment, but if they're not, then that's okay
0: that's just when you decide that those type of clients are not part of your business model.
1: Yeah. So maybe we should, uh, right here kind of, uh, since we're talking about a sharpening a pencil, we haven't talked yet about like how to price jobs and, and such, but what does it mean to you to be a profitable contractor? What does that expression really even mean? Having self-worth, having a different
0: mindset of what you actually, of what you want in life and in your business For your family. I mean, it goes way more than just running a, generating so much revenue in your business because really revenue does not equal profit. And so really, are you sure? Are you
1: sure about that? I I asked my contractor buddies and they tell me it's volume, man. It's a volume game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Volume, volume might work for a wall for Walmart, but for a, a contracting company, a, you know, a, a small to mid-sized contracting company, that's pretty difficult to compete on volume.
1: And, and when you were, the, um, well, you are practicing, but when you were really in the depths of your contracting business, how did you know when you put together both an estimate and a proposal that it was going to be what you thought was a potentially profitable project?
0: So I'd have my clients first when they would contact me, uh, it would be a phone call, and we'd just kind of briefly, briefly discuss the project. And would have them have to follow just a simple, simple framework, I thought I'd request photos for the from the project, just so I could get a brief overview of what it is. We'd discuss kind of what they're, what their I call a spending plan. A budget seems to me it's like a loosely used term and. I don't like the term budget because everyone says, oh, it's not within my budget. It's not within my budget. Well, what's your spending plan for the project? So if they would send me their their photos, I could identify what's going on. The next step normally would be an onsite consultation and I would charge and I still do charge for those consultations.
1: Yeah. You know, I made, I made a note about that because I I would like to, for you to talk more about charging for proposals.
0: Yeah. And I, I I'd say I I learned that from my first business coach, huge, huge game changer to sell them on the consultation, but to educate them, it's hard to say if I knew exactly right off the bat, if they were going to be a good fit normally you're going to go through if they're willing to pay for a consultation fee at first normally you, when you educate them and explain the process you can gather a lot if they're like if they kind of if they back up or if they or if they lean in if you you make the onsite consultation and you look at the project and the next step is the proposal where you're you're coming up with some hard figured numbers and a lot of times that's that takes time as a contractor to come up with those numbers.
1: Absolutely. Cause you're sort of, you're advising them at that point. Here's what you Steve Dale recommend in your professional opinion. This is your advice and that should not, why is, should that be free?
0: No, correct. It's not an estimate. I mean, if everyone talks about free estimates, well that is an, an estimate is a professionally educated guess based on your, your past experiences, your past professional experiences, you can kind of give a good, a good range in a project. But there are so many variables outside of an estimate that need to be addressed. And so when you start doing that, that proposal work, that's part of the planning work, like that pre-planning work. And you should be working for clients based on a relationship, not based off of price. Because if you base it, your relationship off of, a, off of price, there could be some bad things that happen along the way.
1: Right. That's true. You want to be, be building trust and rapport with your clients. So when that bad situation comes up, you can work as trust and relationship to figure it out.
0: Yes. And a lot of times, what I've found is if you price your jobs correctly, you're able to show up, you're able to give them a better customer experience, a journey.
1: That's great. What are some customer uh, red flags that stick out to you? You know, if you meet a customer for the first time, what are red flags you should be aware of? I've, I've, oh my gosh. <laughs> how long is this? Yeah, how, how Just long give me your top. A, how about your yeah. best one? What's the number the, one red flag? Um, the why don't you sharpen your, your customer, your pencil customer is
0: that's up there. I really think a red flag is if somebody thinks that everyone else will give me a, and a proposal, which is actually an estimate. And if they're not willing to put some skin in the game early on, that's a huge red flag for me. I mean, I, I will not, and okay, I take that back. In the past, I have turned my cheek the other way because I, I tried to, I was trying to add value or I was trying to address prospect in a way like they're going through a hard time. I, I learned that this process works because when you, turn your, when you turn your cheek the other way and try to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, it, can, it just bites you in the butt. And so it really is, it really does hold true that it doesn't have to be that much. So you're going to start out small on charging for a proposal fee or a consultation fee. As a contractor in the field, we have the expertise and the knowledge. We've probably all been in that situation where the prospects, they're not even clients, they're just, they're prospects. They're just seeking us out. They extrapolate all this This wisdom and knowledge out of our head, and then end up trying to use it for their own gain. Or they try to use your knowledge against you with other bids that they so-called receive. A big one here, if you give a proposal to a client and they try to use another contractor's bid against you, like saying, well, so-and-so was X amount. We really, really want to have you do the work. If you can meet this number, the job is yours. That one right there, too, is like, please, 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 if you are phased with that, that is just a trap. We know as as being in the field, it's tough work. If we allow clients to dictate our business, then we're not really even running our own business where our, our clients are running it for us. And <laughs> that's just a totally bizarre way of thinking. And
1: Right. And and that um kind of touches on perhaps one of my other notes here that you talk about, business owner versus job owner. Is that relatable to that statement that you just made about the customers running the business instead of the business owner?
0: Well, I think a uh, business owner versus job owner really talks about, you know, the, the business owner being the bottleneck of the company, trying to do everything. They're uh, receiving the phone calls. They're doing the work. They're doing the, the billing They're from sunup to sundown. They're involved in the process a hundred percent or a very large portion of that. That's more of just a job. There's no way to scale. Everything is running through your own head. If you don't, if you get sick, if you don't show up for the, for the job that day, the work doesn't get done. Mm -hmm. So having that way of thinking of really understanding how you create those systems to be able to pull yourself out of the business. I, I think some people have a hard understanding of, well, if I don't show up on the job and they're going to think that not think as highly ab- about myself, the employees won't think as highly. Well, in order for your business to act, to be sustainable, you have to be the one that is, is making those business, those tough business decis- decisions. And if you're on site all the time doing the work, who's out there recruiting new work for you? Who's out there recruiting new hires? That's a, that's a big one too on, on employees is like everyone has is having an employee problem, which I mean, it's a huge problem, but if you're just hiring based off of your need, you know, somebody off the street that is looking for a job, those are not the people you want to have hiring that you hire in your business, but you have to give yourself space so you can make those, those right decisions.
1: Reminds me of the expression, you know, you need to work on your business, not in your business. And there's a transition for everything. So of course, if you're stepping out on your own, you may actually wear every hat and do everything until there's some kind of a a bottleneck, a breaking point. And hopefully there's enough revenue at that point where you go, you know what, I'm doing everything. It's time for me to hire one. And you start delegating and releasing some of that. And if you keep doing it, you'll grow. And eventually, maybe you'll be continuing to work on the business, not in the business, And everyone has a comfort level of that. And what I appreciate that you said is sometimes they feel like they can't because maybe somebody told them back in their days, the owner must be here. The owner must be doing the tile work. If you're a tile guy, that's the job of the owner is to be the best tile guy. And that is true if you want to own your job, but not if you want to own your business. Right.
0: Yeah. It's a huge mindset shift. It's my, it's a, you you have to, you have to think bigger, think differently and, if your team members are, if that's a concern of theirs and you, you know, communicate clearly how you show up for them and how they show up for you in your business, it's a reciprocating type of relationship. If they're not willing to understand that, um, you might look in a little bit deeper. They may not be a good fit for
1: your company yeah, either. Totally. Um, totally. So guy, in the middle of, of your book, Steve, you've got, I don't know how many myths there's maybe five or 10 myths. And uh, of course we don't have time to go over all of them. We could hit this another time, but that, what, what we were just talking about there, you do have for myth number six, you say, will you get ahead by working more hours or sorry, you will get ahead by working more hours. That's the myth. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that really
0: hits home too, about giving yourself space you know, it's the whole, that high five mentality that I think we've all, all received from our, our close one, our, our family, our, our friends, you know, if you're working on the weekends. like, Oh, you're working on a Saturday. That's great. You must be doing really, really well. So, so I mean, true. It's like, what the hell? And you get, and they actually will, they will give you congratulations and high fives. And that then boosts our self-esteem up thinking like, Oh, wow, I'm being acknowledged for for working these longer hours and I must be on the right path. Well, it's just a path of destruction because what type of life do you want to live? I mean, if you, I guess if, if you want to live the life of working an exorbitant amount of hours, then I guess go right ahead. But I think most business owners get into business so they can have more freedom in their lives and be able to provide their family with things that are not possible, maybe by working
1: for a, for a company. Absolutely. Um, and, then, and then if you work all those hours and maybe you're making more money, so maybe you buy that boat, but then where's your time? It. You can't go on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be with your family. For what? Yeah.
0: Some of the most rewarding times I've had here in the past have been the times when I've been able to do more thinking and more, more thought processing. If you're consuming all your time at work with your clients, putting out fires, there's just, there's no time to process any thoughts. I mean, I guess you process thoughts like, holy crap, I can't believe this is, I can't believe this keeps happening again to me. And I used to think that same thing. And I had to realize that, holy crap,
1: I was the common denominator. (laughs) There you go. That's powerful, right? Uh, You know, are, are your customers the problem? Or are you the problem? Are we our own problem?
0: Yeah, we like to blame others, and we're just like, I can't believe this is happening again. And this is, but yeah, when you take a step back, normally we we have allowed those situations to keep happening again and again. And you know, when you're pricing your work, when you're not pricing your work properly, you're attracting those type of clients. When I started pricing my work where it needed to be. It was just a weird thing. I started attracting people that actually would were willing to pay those prices. And then I started being home more frequently. I was more aware of ending my day at a certain time, like, you know, three thirty, four 4 o'clock. It's like, okay, you know what? We got to start wrapping things up, cleaning up the weekends. I would work a Saturday sometimes if, you know, there, we all have those jobs that sometimes, you know what, there's a deadline and, and it needs to happen. But that was very, very rare. And I started putting up those containers to where I just wouldn't do it, but you have to take, you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing too. Don't try to bite everything off at once. I mean, you had to eat the elephant one, you know, one bite at a time, you don't don't go fire all your clients all at once either. That's not, not that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but if you, if you work on that bottom 20% and start getting rid of those, those customers that just that you just despise working for the squeaky wheel clients, we spend so much time focusing on our squeaky wheel clients because they're the ones that bark the most. And then we have our, our great clients over here on the side that are very forgiving, but yet we forget about them. They're the ones we need to be focusing on. Mm-hmm. And then if, if we ignore them
1: for too long, they move to some other person, to some other, some other contractor. Right, right. Let's see. Today's episode is not going to be was not designed to be about how to be how to bid profitably and it's not an accounting episode or anything like that. But I often find that and again, this is a generalization. So if you're listening to this, it may or may not be true for you. But I, I see a lot of times contractors that don't truly know their numbers you know they'll maybe get a number from a supplier and just throw a multiple on it and toss it out to the to the homeowner as an estimate but they don't know really how many hours it's going to take and and all of the details you know part of me wonders if contractors don't want to know their numbers uh-huh i
0: think there's a lot of a lot of truth behind that yeah, I'm just trying to think the right way
1: to really to really answer this. Or I'll say they weren't ever taught by somebody about the numbers. And so they've just never given themselves, maybe in for your words, space to sit down. <laughs> nothing else is going on, understand what the project's going to entail, understand the the labor hours associated with the items that they're using on the project, understand the markups, the overhead. Just really dial it in because at the end of the day, if they can get a number from a supplier, they mark it up X percent, they get the job, they do it. Cash is flowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it may or may not be profitable, but if they're never taking the space to look at it, then there's just money. <laughs> Whether it's positive or negative, they will maybe look at their bank account and there's money in it not knowing that there's, you know, some invoice out there that is going to wipe that bank account out, but then there's another job coming in that's going to fill it back up. And there's just this cycle of not taking the time to look at the numbers to be making those decisions.
0: Well, yeah. And I was taking some time to process this because it's like my mind kind of spins in all different directions because you're right. It's, you know, it's not taking the time to really understand what your numbers, numbers mean. You have all of your you know, you're, like, say your overhead, your indirect ex- expenses, your direct expenses. You have a lot of figures that go into your business individually, not that other guy's business. They don't have the same expenses as you, but yet we bid projects based on what the other guy is, is charging. We also, sometimes it's common to think that, oh, I'll work on a, a Saturday. That's like free as like extra money. Well, it's not extra money. It's you still have the same the same things go on to that, that side job. Sometimes we do like weekend jobs or, or jobs after hours, like evening jobs, like as side jobs, like extra, extra money. But hmm. you know, and, and I say that cause I, I come into contact with that with some of my friends that are contractors. I don't know where that thinking comes from, but it's not the right hmm. on the right path. And I don't know exactly what the, the correct answer is, but when you're bidding jobs, when that whole industry standard, whoever made that industry standard, I don't know, but we're told, you know, 10, 15, 20%, you can't, you can't mark anything up more than that. There's just no, there's no profit margin in that. You're, you're almost working, you're working backwards. Mm -hmm. And you're right. When you take a product sheet, a a bid sheet from a supplier and just mark it up, you're just missing the mark. You're not taking the time to really address what it takes to get that job done. And then we can, like I say, there's so many ways, you know, working in your sweet spot in your business, you know, being efficient, effective, knowing your numbers, because the, the tighter containers you have in your business, the, when you're working in your sweet spot, the better that you know what your numbers are in your business. So you can be more effective. You can be more confident about what those jobs are going to cost the client's. And when you're more effective and more efficient, you become more profitable. If you need to be more, if you need to be more competitive on pricing for jobs, if you're working in your sweet spot, you can be more competitive. You can, I mean, there's just so many things you can, that you can do if you know your numbers correctly and working in your sweet spot in your business is a, a way that will allow you to know your numbers. Because if you're doing everything, i like say we have topics we could talk on for many, many, you know, episodes, but if you're doing um, a deck and a bathroom and windows, and um, you think you're going to try some some landscaping, or you're going to do, I mean, if you're just try a jack of all trades, yeah, there's a reason. Yeah, you you physically that's almost impossible to know the numbers in all of those in all those fields and all those projects. And yeah, for sure, you might not. You're probably not going to be working
1: within your strengths. And you won't know how to say no. I mean, really, if you don't know your sweet spot, or this is what it sounds like, if you don't know your sweet spot and your numbers, how can you tell somebody, no, this isn't the project for you or, or just not choose not to do that job. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Saying no is, is difficult when, uh, we're referred by somebody, you know, you get a call and like, Oh, Hey, so-and-so said you do a great job, you know, boosts our, our ego up. and, And we're like, when we get in our truck, we drive across town. Actually, we could be on a current, we could be actually on a job and we leave that job just to go, to go see, oh, there is a job. There's more work, a potential of more work over here. I mean, it's just saying no is super powerful. Mm -hmm. Using no in the right way. Yeah. You know, knowing how much work that you can physically do. Don't take on more than you can if you, if you're a yes man, which I think we all have that tendency to be, oh yeah, I, I think I can figure, it, I can fit it in. It's going to be a little tight, but oh, I can fit that in. Well, guess what? I've had those experiences where you somebody's going through a, a tough time finding somebody,
1: so they call you. It's like, well, nobody else is there's nobody else available, and so. You want to be the hero, but Hey man, it's not your problem. No one else is available. It's their problem. It's exactly
0: right. And so when I started, when I stopped making other people's problems, my problems, that was a huge game changer. Um, so that's be my advice too, is like, don't let other people's problems be your problems. Right. It might suck for them. It might suck, but don't get your, yeah. Getting yourself worked into that trap is not a good, a good plan.
1: Right. Absolutely. And that happens more than we all want to admit on a regular basis, not just in our jobs, but all the time, you know, and I could see that if you're working on a project and the uh, client says, you know what, we're, we're leaving for vacation on Friday, you need to be done. You're like, well, that's not my problem that you're leaving for vacation. That, that's your problem that you want to leave on vacation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Holidays thing, you know, having a client needs a job done by Thanksgiving for family to come in promising that you can do that promising the that, over-promising knowing good and well that you probably can't get it done just to get the job, land the job. Is, yeah. Come back to bite it's you. Gonna, oh, it's sure. going to come back and bite you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's see, as we wrap this up, is there anything that you can think of that you feel like, um, that we haven't talked about, that contractors should consider as they look to either bring more happiness and joy into their business and or be a more profitable company.
0: Really the things to know as you're you're running your business and you're trying to be more profitable for your business and your family is like knowing what you actually want, having a, a clear vision, a clear path, knowing that it's not okay to just say, I'm going to change things next year. And then the next year comes and you're like, Oh crud!" So you end up changing just a couple little things. You don't write them. You don't have them written down. You don't have a good procedure or process. You just change things up a little bit. And before you know it, you revert back to your old ways. We don't get our time back. That's the one thing we don't get is our (laughs) time back. We can make more money, but we can't make more time. So really, really, I would just strongly encourage business aside, really think like where you're at in your life and in your business, where do you want it to go? Why are you doing it? Why
1: why are they even doing this job? What's the purpose? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you working within your strengths? Are you, are you providing yourself up for success? Your family up for success? Are you doing things in your business that are going to allow you to um, have more freedom, or are you go doing things in your business. That if you continually, continually do those, are you going to be that sixty-year-old crabby contractor? I love that. I, I can mean, picture that sixty-year-old
1: <laughs> crabby contractor when you say that. Don't be I've that seen, guy or girl. Yeah,
0: don't don't <laughs> be that guy and girl. And and so I think so often that in business advice and working in your business, this advice is 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 brought out in the sense of. In order to be a successful business, you got to make more money. You got to price your jobs right. You got to do all this and doing that. But that work on yourself and and having that clear vision of where you're going, that's just so powerful. And once you start identifying those things in your life and you can focus on your goals, there's a lot more clarity that comes. And when you have more awareness, if you have awareness of where you're at and where you want to go and you can find ways that you can close that gap that's where you need to be. And that's how I think that's where you can start having more clarity and understanding. Maybe you're doing
1: something in your business that you don't even like to do. Mm-hmm. But- oh, I'm sure <laughs> of it. There's probably lots of things that everybody does as a business owner or job owner that they don't like doing. I know things I do that I don't like doing, trying to, you know, delegate them and focus on the stuff that I can be really good at. But we all have them. It's t- totally true. Yeah,
0: even an offering, even like a product offering. Maybe you're maybe you're offering a, a service or a product offering that you think that your clients want. Maybe they do. Maybe you don't like offering that service, just having more clarity with yourself. And a lot of times it,
1: d- it involves digging deep. Absolutely. Digging deep's hard, man. Yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's. There's it's, a lot in there. A lot of stuff people don't like to talk about or want to talk about or are ashamed to talk about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, let's save uh, that. Could be another something else to talk about another time. Let's see. I know 24 on Center, right? That's your website. Is that also the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to learn more about the book or reach out to you directly? So, to
0: reach out to me directly, um, you can email me at, at steve at 24oncenter.com. You can go to Amazon. The book, The Profitable Contractor, is available on Amazon. My website is under construction right now and it'll be available here here shortly. But yeah, the best way would just to be to email me if you had any more, any more
1: questions or be
0: more than happy to, to answer them.
1: Awesome. That's great. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the Amazon listing. So if you want to buy the book, I think it was 10 to 15 bucks somewhere in I, there. 97. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So 10 bucks, that's great. And I don't want this to sound the wrong way. It's a quick read, but in a good way, because it's called The Profitable Contractor, but that does not mean it's a book about numbers. I would say it's more of a book about mindset and other soft skills that will enable you to open doors to become a profitable contractor. And so for that reason, it's actually a really good, enjoyable read that I think would resonate with contractors of all types, including landscape irrigation contractors. Oh, thank you, Andy, yes. Yeah, appreciate having you, appreciate this discussion, Steve, and uh, it was great meeting you and uh, look forward to seeing what comes next with The Profitable Contractor. Yeah,
0: awesome, hey, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.